Let's begin with a Bible passage. Who would like to read this? Thank you, Neil. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through hymns, psalms and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thank you, Neil. So I was thinking this week about strange things we do in church. So imagine you're a secular Australian. You've never set foot in a church, or at least not since a kid and you can't remember anything as a kid. You've even not thought about Christianity, talked about it with anyone, not even thought about any other religion. There's probably quite a few Australians like that. So imagine you're that person. And you walk into your first ever church service. What do you think is going to be the strangest thing or some of the strangest things you notice in there? Neil? You know what I'm turning around and looking at <laughs> Very good. Being stared at. Yep. One of my friends was confused or was surprised. It was like they look at a lecture, like instead of having a projector and seating facing the screen. Yep. This strange lecture that's happening, yep. Singing, yep. Very odd, isn't it? Yep. Ah, oh, praying will seem very odd, won't it? Definitely. Communion, very bizarre, isn't it? Bread and wine that you're handing out. The words that are used, particularly when you go into a church, it reminds me of a time when Nicole and I walked into a church that was quite old-fashioned. And uh, they started praying, and everyone started praying in these and thous and thys, and <laughs> then afterwards they went straight back to normal language. It was a bit odd. Yep. The Pentecostal forms a bit odd. Yep. <laughs> yep. Incense, the smells, the bells, the robes. It doesn't have that. Yep. Yep. Stand sit, stand sit, particularly in some of the more traditional churches. 
Actually, everything we do is strange, isn't it? It's a very odd thing here, having a church service. I was thinking and you know, thinking about it and think, look, communion, that's very strange. Someone handing out bread, handing out cups of wine, and then reading some passages from the Bible and everyone eating together and drinking together. Very odd. People getting down on their knees and praying or praying in tongues. That's really strange, isn't it? And then in the, the more liturgical, traditional churches, that person walking around, say in the Greek Orthodox, Orthodox Church with the incense and the bells and, and the big robes. It's a bit odd. The beards aren't so weird now, now that beards are back in fashion. <laughs> and, and singing. Singing is really strange, isn't it? It's very odd that we sing. I mean, when else do you sing in life? But actually, it's not that strange, really. Um, but, but it is a strange thing to a degree. And why do we do it? Does anyone want to share why, why do you think we sing? Neil? Okay, that's good. Sometimes it just comes out, doesn't it? Whistling and singing actually is a normal human thing. Humming, yep. Yep. Like the birds, yes. Tim. It engages you deeply and mentally. Yep. Pay more attention too, don't you? Yep. Malcolm. Uh, it's a fun way, much more fun than other ways of saying things together. Yep. Much more fun than reciting poetry. That's true, it is, isn't it? It does feel a bit strange when we say read the creed versus when we sing it. Neil. And in fact, there might be some services where the priest sings the entire church service. The whole thing is sung. Nicole? Nicole? It helps us commit things to memory. And it has for centuries, especially Yes, if you're not reading, it helps you learn things. Cool. Tim? Just clean your ear. All right, playing with your ear. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it does. It's it's it opens us emotionally and connects us with people, doesn't it? Still, it seems like a really odd thing to do because when else in life do you stand around in a group singing? You do, don't you? It's actually not as odd as we think. Although it seems so strange, there are times in the secular world that we sing. Like at a sporting event. Yep. Uh, yep. There you go. Yeah. So you stand there at a national anthem singing it. At every birthday party. We all sing happy birthday together. Yep. No TVs. That's actually kind of cool. Yeah. And <laughs> Nicole would like that, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Kumbaya, right? <laughs> that's the traditional one. Um, cool. So that's what we're looking at this afternoon, singing together as a church, part of a sermon series of things we do together as a church. And so last week, opened it off with meeting together. It's something that Christians do, always do, and are commanded to do. 
and tonight we're looking specifically at singing. So I did a search for the word song uh, in the Bible, and it's pretty common in the Old Testament, 126 occurrences, not so common in the New Testament with uh, 10 occurrences, two different words in the New Testament, Ado and Salo, Salo from Psalms. But it's just something that is there throughout the Bible, infused in it. It's there in Exodus when Moses and the Israelites sang a song to the Lord after being rescued. It's there in in Judges when Deborah sang the song after Barak won the the battle. It's there in, in Samuel when David composed a song for the funeral of Saul and Jonathan. So there's happy and there's sad songs. It's there in Kings. Uh, again, where uh, each morning people stood and sang before the Lord to praise him. And it's there later in Chronicles, singing funeral songs for Josiah. And they wrote those funeral songs down. And they even wrote whole books of the Bible just for songs, two books. There's the book of Lamentations, a book of songs of lament and sorrow. And, of course, Psalms, 150 chapters or songs uh, which are very varied and express all the human emotions. So there's just music infused throughout the people of Israel and throughout the Bible. Same thing happens in the New Testament, including the passage we read tonight, where it says, Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with a thankful heart. And so just looking at the Bible and seeing where song appears so often, this tells us something. It tells us that at the very least, singing is something that the people of Israel just did just part of who they were and it's something that the church does so we should be singing because that's our history we should be singing together it's something we're meant to do and we just do do but I think these passages if we look at them a few of them we can get a bit more insight into why singing is actually an important part of being a church so In Colossians 3.16, these are the words. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. And sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. As you read that that verse, I can't, or as I read it, I can't help but see there is a link there between teaching, counsel and wisdom and singing right next to each other. As a link. How does a song teach us, though? How does a song give us counsel or wisdom? Where, where does that come from? Well, I thought I'd do a test. So this is good for anyone who's in their mid-40s or older. Here's some ads from the 80s. Nearly 40 years ago, if you lived, grew up in Australia in the 80s, you would have heard these ads. And you probably haven't heard them for 40 years. But can you tell me anything about it? So... Good on your mum, something's the one. Good on your mum. You know that and you haven't heard it for 40 years, right? What about this? My dad picks the fruit that goes to, to Coddy's Cordial. That's the best one, isn't it? 40 years haven't heard that and yet you know it's ingrained in your head. What about this one? The bathroom couldn't be cleaner. I found that old hyena, so thank you. No, not Mr. Cien. Spray and wide. So these are ads which played you know, on the TV in the mid-80s every night. We heard them. Either you were an adult already or you grew up with them like me. 
And then they stopped. And you haven't heard them for 30 odd years, 40 years, and you remember them. <laughs> you remember them. Isn't that remarkable? So songs can teach us things, right? These songs here, we remember 30 years down the track. We have learnt what the best cordial is, what the best bread is, how to clean that bathroom. Songs teach us, but it's kind of up to us to decide. Do we want songs to teach us nonsense? Happy little Vegemites. We all live in a yellow submarine. Songs that you just know. And you put them in your head and they teach you a bit of nonsense. It's harmless, but it's nonsense. We can let songs teach us evil. That's Cardi B singing WAP, which is not a song worth listening to. (laughs) You don't want to hear it. It's disgusting. Right? We can let songs teach us evil. Or we can have songs that teach us wisdom. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. That's wisdom from the book of Revelation. When we sing, we learn. Christian songs teach us. And that's why we need to have words that are meaningful in the songs we sing. Because those words are going to infuse us and we're going to remember them. The words of Christian songs are so important. And song actually involves our mind, our thinking. It teaches us, it counsels us, it brings us wisdom. So I think that's one of the main reasons why God asks us to sing. Uh, And I think you mentioned that, Nicole, that it's a way of remembering. And that's probably why it's so important for songs to have words taken from Scripture. They don't necessarily need to be the exact words of Scripture, but words that align with Scripture. Very important. So question for you, Nicole. (laughs) When you choose music for church, tell us. I haven't prepped her with this, so she's on the spot. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts, processes relating to this idea of singing with our minds. Sure. Okay, something I do try to take very seriously. Um, I usually start by asking Malcolm or Graham what the topic of the sermon is. Uh, or the theme of the service um, and if I know, can find out the Bible reading I'll read the Bible reading um, and then I'll pray about it and ask God to guide my selection of songs um, and then often a song um, it's almost always lyrics that come to mind you know, a song with a certain theme or lyrics um, that I think will resonate with the passage and um, either reinforce the themes, make us think a little bit more deeply about it or help us respond to it personally. Um, And then I do also take into account as secondary factors, can the congregation sing the song, can the musicians play the song? Um, Because if those things are a barrier, then we won't be able to engage with worship fully. Um, and then I do also try to get a balance of styles, um, which tries to, it does like make it more engaging in the service if we're not singing all the same style, all the same chords or whatever, but also that I know that some styles resonate with pe- people differently. So try to sort of take that into account. Um, but yes, it's a prayerful process and one that's driven first and foremost, by the lyrics of the song. Sometimes you, you just have new songs and suddenly 
Yes. Okay. Um, so I do spend a lot of time listening to like the recent playlists on Apple Music of Christian songs to hear new songs and think are these suitable for a church. Um, I also get I ask people to send me songs, which many of you have um, over the years, and also speak to other people in other churches who lead worship and get their um, suggestions as well. And then I really try to look at other other lyrics scriptural um do they express a, something about a theme that we don't have other songs about already do they express it better um or in a more modern way um that's a bit more relevant or comfortable for people to sing um and then how do i discard songs i do discard songs if i feel like the language is too archaic for people to connect with and I really do bear in mind the new Christian who walks in the door. Are they going to feel this is too foreign or unclear? Um, and if I feel like the only reason I feel comfortable with a song is because it's nostalgic or I know it, that's not enough. It has to be something that I go, yep, yeah, somebody could work out what's the message of this song as they sing it and connect with it emotionally. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess it's just important for us to remember that, that the words are involved, the words of the songs, they take hold of our minds, they infuse us, and we want good words. We want to sing things that are meaningful, that teach us about God, because in 20 years or 30 years, hopefully you can remember those words and not just what the best bread is. But of course, true worship doesn't simply involve the mind. And this is what Jesus said about loving God. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your hearts, all your souls, and all your minds. Or, or singular, if it's just about you. Plural if it's all of us together. But it's not just our mind that counts, it's our heart and soul as well. And so songs aren't just about teaching. They're not just about learning words of scripture or learning messages of scripture. They're actually meant to connect with us on an emotional level. And that's something which is drawn out by the words of the Bible itself. In Colossians 3.16 it says, Sing with a thankful heart. That idea of heart is there. David and all his people of Israel in 2 Samuel were celebrating when they sang. There's, a, there's an emotion there of celebration. The prophet Jeremiah composed funeral songs. To this day, choirs still sing these sad songs. It's connecting with, with heart, isn't it? These songs of sorrow have become a tradition. And in Psalms, David sings, The Lord's my strength and shield. I trust him with all my heart. Again, there's an emotional trust there. Trust is more than just a, a thought process. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. So songs reach us in both a mind level but also on an emotional heart level. And that's really important. I had a, a friend, um, Angus, in high school. Bit of a, a bad, bit of a, uh, uh, you know, probably not the best student. You wouldn't want your daughter going out with him, probably. Um, but he loved music. His life was about music, and in particular, Pearl Jam. He absolutely loved Pearl Jam, always listened to Pearl Jam. Every day he'd talk about Pearl Jam, and if there was a concert coming to Australia, he would be there. 
In fact, I checked him up on Facebook the other day and I noticed he's still talking about Pearl Jam and concerts. Just a few days ago, he put this picture up of some old Pearl Jam tickets he bought and he obviously had just been to a concert in Adelaide with Crowded House. That's a picture he took. Um, So music meant a lot to him. I bumped into Angus about 10 years ago and it was really interesting. He told me he'd become a Christian. And I didn't spend a lot of time with him, so I don't know a lot about his faith, but he did say it happened because he couldn't believe how good the music was. He saw this band from Paradise Church, which is a bit like Hillsong, but it's Adelaide's big Pentecostal church, and that drew him in. He went every week to listen to the music, and he heard the message and became a Christian. So it's pretty amazing what music can do. Music can draw people to God. In fact, um, there's this guy on YouTube. I quite like watching him sometimes. He does those reaction videos. You know those weird videos where you watch someone react to something? It's a bit strange, really. But anyway, he does reaction videos to music, and he's a musician. And about three years ago, this is how I heard about him, he started watching Christian music. Someone suggested he watch a Christian song. And you can see this evolution over three years where he's does this non-Christian reacts to a particular Christian song. And he no longer now writes non-Christian reacts to. He just writes reaction to because he's become a Christian through the process of listening to Christian music. His favourite songs, by the way, I think Christian songs are Reckless Love and One Billion Reasons and Oceans. So they're songs which actually have good words, particularly, I think, One Billion Reasons. So, So will I, is it called, yep. But music can draw people to God. It can't keep them Christian, but it can be that initial spark. And it can encourage people already who are Christians. You know, we all go through times in life where where emotions are more important, where where that emotion of music is more important. So sometimes music is going to speak to us more than at other times, and sometimes it's going to give us that that strength that we need. Take a look at uh, the book of Acts. Remember, Paul had been arrested. The Apostle Paul had been arrested for preaching God's word. And he was in jail because of it. After being flogged severely, he was thrown into prison. The jailer was the command, commanded to guard him carefully or command them. He was with Silas. When he received these orders, the jailer put them in the inner cell, fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They sustained their, their, um, their souls, their spirits through singing. Something they did. And music is at times something that can really speak to us and get us through a hard time. And often when it does that, other people notice. Take a look what happened there. Other prisoners were listening to them. So music has real power in that way, through speaking to emotions. I thought it would be worth finding out, has music played a really large role in anyone here who came to faith. It hasn't for me, didn't for me play a big role. It's been important, like for all Christians, but it didn't play a big role for me. But maybe someone here, music has played a really critical role in their faith. Robin, let's hear. Okay. Um, I did Easter camp two years in a row. One time was only a couple of days because Steve was working and I'd been going to youth group just a little tiny bit, so I just had a little foot in the door. So that was my first experience, and I thought, oh, yeah, interesting. 
So we continued at youth group and so the second Easter camp went up to um, Alexander Headlands, the campsite, big campsite there for anybody who knows it. And the Saturday night there was a Christian band playing. Um, they were called His. A um, bunch of your brother's mates, weren't they? Yeah, a bunch of Steve's brother's mates were playing. And I was just sitting up the back. No, not yeah, we were just up the back, um, engaging and enjoying. And God came knocking on my heart that night. And that's when I gave my life to the Christ that night after after the concert. They didn't do an altar call, did they? No, it was just something I kind of tapped someone that was tapped someone else on the shoulder and said, "I need to go. Can I have a talk with you?" Yeah. I hadn't heard that. That's brilliant. What was that? Sorry, Steve. Yep. Did you want to? No. Yep. That's pretty cool. So yours too, and that was when you sort of had that knock from God as well. Brilliant. Anyone else? Yep. 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 In fact, there's so many Bible verses that I've learnt because of songs, like the Proverbs: "Trust in the Lord with all your heart; lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He'll make your path straight." I learnt that because of a song. I would never learn that without a song. <laughs> all right. Ah, uh, yeah, Andrew. Do you want this or? Yeah, fine. I have a very strange um, journey with music. Because I was from, ever since I can remember, I grew up in a very conservative um, church that actually taught me and the people who were members there that singing to God with music was sinful. It was sinful. That's what I grew up believing for uh, up into my 20s. And... Um, so for me, music and singing were two different things. One was when it was directed at God, wrong. And one was great and okay. So I was absolutely just schooled in hymns. The majority of the songs that I grew up knowing were hymns and they're ones, like you said before, um, that are taught me things. I can quote those hymns and they are from, you know way back to Amazing Grace and further, you know, it was just hymns, basically, 100%. And on top of that, yeah, yeah, forget about all the notes. It was just the singing with voice, not music. Um, and that was, yeah, uh, that was a whole other thing. No clapping, tapping, clicking fingers, nothing. You just had to sing, that was it. Anything else was from the devil. So... Um, that what verse you showed before was something that helped. So I would say coming to faith, I would say coming, it, growing into a bigger, more fuller understanding of the faith helps me. That verse before, it was one of the things that helped me was where it says that um, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, and a friend of mine in, in my Christian walk said, okay, the psalm, they sang with music. So there you go. 
So it wasn't so black and white as what I'd grown up to to believe. And from then it was just me growing into all kinds of um, artists and then playing. Yeah. I think some of the conservative churches have had this aversion to instruments, haven't they? Or even singing in a few of them. Maybe it's a reaction to seeing what rock and roll did to so many people's lives and drawing them away from God with sex, drugs and rock and roll. Um, and so maybe part of it was a reaction, but that doesn't mean the reaction was right. That was actually based on it's very interesting uh, it might say speaking in the English language translation but in Greek it doesn't <laughs> it, it uses the word song uh, it, it might say speaking but it does say, use the word song as well yeah interesting very interesting yeah um so, we can probably uh, skip over. I was going to ask people what song they really connected with at an emotional level, but we'll skip over that. Um, but if there's something you want to do during the week, email Nicole your two or three favourite Christian songs for singing in a congregation. And it'd be good for her to have a, have a sort of a list of those. But, but there's an elephant in the room when it comes to music. Um, and I think with what Camilla and Andrew and I were just chatting about then, you might start to see what, remember what that elephant in the room is. What's the elephant in the room, do you think, when we talk about music and church? You can only take the actual spiritual experience, yeah, like an emotional experience with the music as opposed to a spiritual experience with God. So that's, that's a really interesting point, yes. And that's a, a real danger, isn't it, if music becomes what's important rather than God. That can be a disaster. Anything else? So we think about that as that's what's important. Yep, yep, yep. So that's an interesting sort of connection with what Tim's saying. Yep, good. All of that's connected. I think that's that's a that's a really important elephant in the room. It wasn't the one I was thinking of, but it's an excellent one. Neil? Well, the poor old elephant, he's stuck in the corner there. Yeah. And he's hiding behind the chair, so it certainly looks like he's having a rough time with it all. <laughs> no, he looks like he's um, being brought into submission. <laughs> this, by the way, is Dali 2, open AI, that produced this picture. And some people can't sing. Oh, yes? Some people can't sing? There's a lot of people. People are stressed about all oh, right, that's more what I was thinking about. All of that instrumentation and yep. how loud it is and all of that sort of stuff. Yep, yep. We changed the whole time. Yep, yep, yep. That's it, Nicole? I was just going to say, I think that music actually, everybody has a personal place in music. Yep. But so that's, it's almost, we've come around a big circle, all connected from what Tim started with. But, but I was thinking about that elephant of division. Um, church music causes division, and it certainly has in the last 30, 40 years in churches. I think about lots of people I know that wouldn't stay at a particular church because it sung hymns, or it didn't sing hymns, or whatever. You know, there's been that big divide in 
our lifetime, at least between churches that sing hymns and churches that sing modern music. And there'll be another divide in 40 years, churches that sing modern music and churches that sing the new modern music. It's... <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and people argue about it. They complain. They, they're at each other's throats about it. And people even leave churches over it. How come music causes such division? Neil, we want to say something? Well, I suppose um, people that react in that way show where their hearts are. Yeah. Yep. Because the truth is that, you know, if someone leaves the church because they don't think that music is good enough, perhaps that's not really a reason. <laughs> yep, definitely. Shalanda. There's no no doubt about about it. It's not it's not totally unreasonable for someone to take music into account in, when they're finding a church home. Um, I'm not. I, I don't want to just you know sort of suggest it's 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 not important in that way. But it's not still meant to cause division in church, is it? Not like it does. Yes, of course. Yep, yep. Age has a big impact on that. Um, that's the problem with music, I think, though. It does cause division. Or that's the problem with people, perhaps. It's a better way to put it. And it's not meant to do that. Music is not meant to cause division. In fact, if anything, music is meant to bring unity in the church. And the Bible has a vision of this in Revelation. Then I looked, and there before me was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his, his father's name written on their foreheads. So it's a future vision image of the church. And I heard a sound from heaven like a roar of rushing water and like a loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of the harpers playing their harps and they sang a new song before the throne. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. There's an image there of everyone from every tribe and nation singing together being unified as God's people through song. So music's not meant to be a divisive issue. It's meant to bring church unity. And so I just want to finish with what I think my prayer should be for Renew and Music and what I hope is everyone's prayer at Renew, for Renew and Music. I pray that we continue to sing because we're human. Music speaks to our emotions and it helps us worship with our hearts, and that's part of being human. And we sing words of spiritual truth because we're Christians. 
Music reminds us and teaches us about who God is and what he's done. So we want our, our words to be words of truth. And when we sing, we sing with joy and grace and love because we're a church, because we are the church, the body of Christ. And if we have love, grace, joy and peace in our hearts, music's going to keep us unified and it's not going to divide. So I think those are the three prayers for music and renew.